So we're excited today, and, and I've got a crew that are coming right now. If you guys go ahead and just get in place. We're going to start on this this morning. Uh, it is the closing of this series of messages that we've been doing called Together. And uh, just look, give you a little heads up. You go ahead and get up here on the platform. You're going to put it together up here. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I know that this will be a challenge for some of you because there'll be some moving around going on. Um, probably what they're going to do is going to take maybe eight to ten minutes max, and you'll be tempted to, you know, pay attention to them, and that's fine. That, that's okay. Uh, I want to just go ahead and get us started in terms of what's happening with this series. So if you would put up for me Acts chapter two, we're going to be talking about together, and the first point this morning is going to be very obvious as we get to it, because you're going to see what they're going to accomplish here in just a few minutes. Um, the series text is Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. If you would find a screen and let's read, I'd like you to read it out loud with me, please. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul... And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were what? Yeah. Were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, what? Yeah. Together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, now what they're going to do is we're going to see what it means in terms of being able to identify what it means to be together. Now, all of these things are in this box and they are what? Together. But are they really together? Now, now, now look at this, see these guys here, there's some tension going on, so they're not really quite working together right, are they? <laughs> All right, now this is, this is the, the principle that I want to grab here. While they're going to start putting this thing together, it's, it's one thing to be seated together with all of the people in this room this morning. Very much like all of these pieces were together in this box but it's something entirely different when we all begin to find our place and function and every part is in the place where it was designed to be operating. Then we're going to see something great take place as this thing comes together. The Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. At Christmas time, I hate that phrase, some assembly required. Look at your neighbor and say, there's some assembly required. Now, did you hear what Darren just said? He said, okay, guys, cut the tension out. Let's get this to act together, okay? And so what you're about to see them do here in this little brief illustration, and they're doing a really, really good job, is they're making sure that all of the pieces are in the right place and they are functioning together. Now, obviously, probably you can't stand it up all the way, guys, so we'll just do it at that point right there, okay? Uh, I want to go ahead and put up my next text as they wrap this up and get this thing together today. And that is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And I'm going to ask you again if you would find the screen and read it out loud with me, please. This is what you call an illustrated sermon. 
Okay? Got something going on while the one who's speaking. But if you would find a screen, let's go together. Here we go. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Everybody say work. Everybody say labor. Verse 10, here we go. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie, what? Together they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Wow, look how quickly these guys, when they started working together, were able to get this canopy, canopy put together. Now, what I want you to do right now is everybody stand up and check underneath your seat because somebody is going to win this and take it home today. After we use it outside. <laughs> A Lamborghini? Have we found it yet? There should be a, a victory card under your seat. Who won it? Okay, Karma. Karma won it. Okay, that's beautiful. As, as soon, now you can leave it right there, guys, just, just like it is. And um, when we get ready to close, I tell you what, go ahead and walk it off over there. Yeah, because we don't want to interrupt the flow of the worship at the end. Give these guys a hand, would you? Let me just say, if you're a guest this morning, this is not unusual. You never do know what's going to happen at Victory. Okay. <laughs> All right, now, with all those parts put together, this is going to provide someone a little bit cooler setting today when we're outside at the meal. And we have several canopies. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. Those of you who don't mind sweating a little bit, there'll be a rock wall to climb, some obstacle courses, a jumpy, a bouncy for the kids. So we're, we want to wrap this up today. We want to talk about relationships. Are they worth it? Relationships, are they worth it? Because if you really think about it, and this is how I would like to characterize them, this is my experience, and, and, and if, if, if you think maybe that you would agree with this, this has been your experience as well, then I'd like an amen at the end of this. I personally think that relationships are the most amazing part of life, but they are the most frustrating part of life. Really? You agree with that? I think relationships are the most blessed part of what we are able to enjoy, especially when things are on and it's happening right. I think that relationships are the most difficult, frustrating, aggravating, tick you off, make you angry, lose your sanctification moments. <laughs> now, maybe that's not y'all. That's just, that's just me. That, you know, you don't, don't raise your hand, and I'll, I'll pray for all the liars after the service this morning. <laughs> Uh, are we going to tell the truth? Are we going to keep it real at victory this morning? Yes, it's the most blessed part of our lives and they are the most frustrating part of our lives because we're talking about a will. We're talking about personality. We're talking about moods. We're talking about wrong side of the bed, waking up on. We're talking about how I view my perception of what I'm going through at the current time and how I let that cloud and whether or not I 
sometimes I, I, I've, I've realized that I have gotten frustrated with my children and I've ended up giving them a dump truck load of frustration on really something that deserved about a spoonful. And it's because stuff had begun to sort of mount and it had begun to build up, build up and there was actually some interest that was accruing with it. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? It just kind of gets up, up, it's up to here and I'm not that tall yet. And uh, it's just when things sort of all sort of start to run together and they're just a great big nasty pudding of, of mess that starts to come together. I want to give you four quick principles and then we're going to jump outside uh, together this morning. The first one is that uh, we want to learn how to work together. Everybody say together in our work. Listen from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. It says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. Everybody say working properly. All of those pieces that make up this nice canopy were in the box together, but what was in that box and what you're seeing now are two different things. They are working properly. They are functioning in proper and correct relationship together. We are sitting together in this room, but there is another level that we can begin to function and flow together as the body of Christ in West Memphis, Marion. And the reason that we're doing what we're doing today is so that we have an opportunity to sit down and actually meet people that we've really just Sunday after Sunday sort of been fellowshipping the back of their head. You can shake hands, you can say, hi, how are you? But really, that's not what it means to be the body of Christ. It means that we begin to reach out and start some friendships. We, we get some acquaintances going. Uh, there's some connections that we start to establish. And then it's in that where we have an opportunity to facilitate community. Let me just say this. We, we can do all these things. We can create great life groups. We can have Bible studies. We can have wonderful celebration times. We can have uh, picnics and movie nights like we'll do in October with our screen on the green. All of those, all we can do is just give you an opportunity to facilitate making friends. You know, some folks, you can do everything in the world. You can lead the horse to the water, but you, you can't what? You know, I, let me just say, we do a lot of stuff around here to give people an opportunity to, to connect. And, and, and if you've been coming to Victory for, you know, five or six months, and you're saying nobody ever talks to me, maybe, maybe it's not everybody else. Oh, Pastor, I thought you were going to keep it light and make us all feel good and be real happy today. How many of you know if you want to have friends, the scripture says if, if a man wants friends, he should show himself what? You know, maybe sometimes some of our looks are a little bit intimidating. We look like we've been sucking on a persimmon and baptized in pickle juice. You know, it's, how, how about we smile and maybe extend a hand? Hey, I'm Michael Smith. How are you? And, and, and let's, you know, start to begin to build some at least acquaintances that can give us the opportunity for relationships. And we're all the time on our regular folks going, don't you go get with the people that you know. That's too easy. You can do that anytime. Here on Sunday mornings, we're, it's about ministry. We want to be thinking of others first. We want to be reaching out to folks that we have never met before. This is a great opportunity today to do that. Please do that. Do that. That's what it's about. It's, what, it's about meeting new folks. It's about putting a face and a name together and and recognizing that, you know what, maybe God has put us in the same church more for than, than just sitting down at either 9 or 10 o'clock, 10.45 on Sunday mornings together. Maybe I'm supposed to do something with this brother and sister. Maybe, maybe the relationship here is because God intends for us to 
give us a new idea and start a new business or, or, or serve something in the community, meet a need in this area for the Delta, for West Memphis or for Marion. It's about working together. See, because there's a critical principle I want you to understand. Connectivity is not community. We are the most connected through social media that we have ever been in any generation in the history of the world. I, I had at one time over 5,000 uh, friends on Facebook and, and, and I'll just be real honest with you. I get new friend requests all the time, and it's because they think they're connecting to Michael W. Smith. <laughs> I, they come from all over the world. And they'll stay connected for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden I see that I've dropped some friends, and then they realize that I'm not going to say, be singing friends are friends forever because the Lord's the Lord of them. That's a famous Michael W. song. So let me tell you a funny story. I went to... Indonesia in 1986, I was about 25 years old and had the privilege of being part of a, of a, of a training of about 5,000 local church leaders along with uh, just some internationally known leaders in the body of Christ in the, in the charismatic Pentecostal movement. And um, we, we were pr primarily focusing on building local churches in the islands of Indonesia, those 13,000 13, islands of Indonesia. And so we had from all over that whole Galapagos of the islands, they all gathered together and came in, and we had 5,000 local church leaders, pastors, teachers, evangelists, so on and so forth. And so for, for three days, I was one of the speakers teaching on the subject of praise and worship and the importance of that in a local church setting, in building community and seeing the presence of God come and manifest in the middle for the, for the Word of God to be made flesh in the middle of those people. And after three days, we moved it to the, the stadium in Jakarta, which the communists built in 1967, trying to lure the Indonesian people into the Soviet Union. For, for three nights, over three nights, we had 100,000 people plus in the stadium. And uh, they had a whole choir ready to sing the famous Michael W. Smith, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When they announced that Michael Smith was there, the whole choir looks at me going, We're going to sing your song. <laughs> and I just smiled. Praise God. <laughs> and got to sing, got to play the piano, got to lead worship, got to have a great time, preached in front of the biggest crowd I've ever been in front of in my whole life. And at the same time, they thought I was somebody that I wasn't. And so I'm connected to thousands of people that I've never met. Probably out of those 5,000 or so, I've personally met about 1,500 of them. Really good acquaintances with about 500 of them. But then when we really start talking about friends, I can probably put them on two hands. And they're, they're part of this church. We're partners together. I think so many times we, we, we count our Twitter followers and we think that we're really connected to a lot of people. In the middle of all of our connectivity, we're the most isolated uh, people on the planet that has ever been in existence. Somebody say amen. Now, I, I think there's a huge difference. Somebody told me one time that a friend is someone who knows everything about you and is still your friend. Now, they're just not very many folks. We could probably talk about one or two hands maximum. Okay. So as, as we begin to talk about the opportunity to build relationships in here, it's when we start to work together. Two are better than one because they can realize a greater reward for their work, for their toil. As these two guys started today, and we set it up so they would have a little bit of tension initially, and then Darren came in, who, who, who he is the handyman of the church. He came in and he said, no, come on guys, let's get this thing straight, and they started working together. 
And once they started working together, then they accomplished what they wanted to. When, when two or three people are working together and, and are just sort of flowing like well-oiled machinery, you can accomplish a whole lot more, a lot more quickly. Alone we can do something, but together we can accomplish so much more. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two, together in our walk, together in our walk, Ecclesiastes 2 says, 4 says it this way, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. I have fallen and I cannot get up. <laughs> like the old commercial that you see, the sweet little lady who is elderly and she's fallen and broken a hip. And she's by herself. And the issue is in isolation. If I stumble and fall, the opportunity, especially if it's a spiritual fall, the opportunity to be able to get up and be restored is outrageously lessened. I need to be walking with someone. I need people walking beside me. It's not just me and Jesus like the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Come on, somebody. But it's us together. It's us walking together. Everybody say together. Scripture says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? And so that means that when God puts me to walk with someone, I need to recognize that joining. I need to recognize where God has joined me because the joining is very significant it's it's a place of of encouragement it's a place of it's a it's a life fulfilling connection and we're not just talking about sitting next to somebody in the pew on Sunday morning and and rubbing elbows but we're talking about doing life together walking together and that means if the scripture asks us in Amos can two walk together except they be agreed that means there is every possibility for what to take place disagreement everybody say disagreement so for disagreement to take place, that means I'm going to have to have an opportunity to work out the tension, work out the problems. Like they're trying to put this thing together this morning and somebody says, no, let's do this first. The other one says, no, let's do that first. And many times I have to be willing to submit my will to the greater cause of a team of which I'm a part. Because I recognize that all of us are smarter than one of us. Say that with me. All of us are smarter than one of us. I cannot do this by myself. We have to do this together. If there's going to be a marriage that lasts, and I'm going to just take a moment and brag, next Sunday, June the 1st, that lovely lady right there married me 29 years ago. And she's still with me, and I think she still loves me, and so I'm thankful for that. I'm certain. Totally certain. I have to recognize my joining. I, I think that so many times that we live in a, in a world in a day of disposable relationships like disposable diapers that we just sort of, you know, throw them away. We discard them into a place. We just, we just because it gets dirty and messy and we don't care for it and it just kind of it reeks, then we just want to throw it away. Let's just go get a real quick fix. Let's, let's head down to the attorney and let's get us a divorce. And I think that happens in jobs, it happens in church relationships, it happens in all kinds of things where we're in relationships with people, where we just get up to here and we don't, we're not willing to work through because we ask the question again, is this relationship worth it? Okay. And, and, and I believe real kingdom coin, so to speak, real, real verification, real validation, authenticity of is your life real? Are you a real believer in Jesus Christ? It's not the indication of never having any problems, but it's how you work through your problems. It's, did it last? Can, can, can you say 20 years later that you're still walking together in friendship? If someone has hung around you and put up with you 
Uh, I believe it's statistically proven that if someone has been your friend and put up with you for seven years, then that, per that person is a friend for life, is what they say. But at the same time, I've seen people who've been married 20, 25 years decide all of a sudden to call it quits. And I'm going, really? You're going to make put that much investment in this, working together that long, walking together that long, and something comes up and you're not willing to work through it. And, and, you know, let me just say, I don't have time to stop and qualify. There are all kinds of things that can be big enough to say, okay, that's it. Okay, we don't have time to go down that, that trail. But we want to work together. We want to walk together. And that means recognizing God's joinings. I'm going to appeal to you from the same scripture one more time. From the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. A relationship that's working properly means that I am building into, I'm making an investment into, I am loving that person the way Christ loves me. I'm forgiving when it's necessary. I'm, I'm making an adjustment when it's necessary, but I'm not walking around negative Nancy being a corrector all the time. Because you sow that crop, guess what you're going to reap? So relationships are, have a lot of challenges. And we want to say this morning that we need to recognize all of those joinings. It's like the, piano, the keys on this keyboard. There are 88 of them here, and there, there is a, an enormous likeness. You look at them, and there's all these white ones and all these black ones, and they're fit together. At the same time, there is a radical distinction in terms of the sounds that they make. And many times, it's the one that you're right next to that you have the greatest possibility for creating dissonance. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me personally. And it's because those that are the nearest to you, you have to be able to defer and let that one speak and you speak and you can't be at the same time trying to make this crazy kind of sound. And just because things are together doesn't mean necessarily that they're working together. Just listen. That's not beautiful. They're together, but the relationship there has a problem, don't you think? But when someone is able... It has a little bit to do with knowing how things fit what? Together. We want to recognize our joinings, appreciate, understand that when God joins you to someone, that you can't let man separate you. That's not just in your marriage and your divorce. That's people that you're partnering with. You know that God has joined you together to be able to accomplish a great goal. I am partnering with, when I start talking about this pastoral team and Haley and Jeremy and Heather and Alex and uh, people in this congregation, our, our, our elders, better said we call them shepherds, Scott Grafton and his wife Chris, and Jack Murphy and his wife Tina, and I could continue to name people, but we're talking about folks that we are joined together, and we don't just let some little area of tension, we, we, we keep things in proper perspective. We realize that the joining of God is more important than any kind of disagreement that comes up. Are you hearing me? And let me just say to you, if you think that those relationships don't get challenged, then you are sadly mistaken. Just like no marriage in here, no person can say that they've never been in a place where they've had some tension that they've had to work through in their marriage. Point number three, and I want to move quickly. We are together in our warmth. Together in our warmth. 
Now, let me just say this. This probably makes folks a little bit uncomfortable. It's a Hebrew idiom. It is a comparative statement that is very common. If you read the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, the, the Scripture actually says it this way. It says that um, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And, and we obviously think, okay, that's fine. As long as you're talking about a married couple, that's great. But th really, this is just the idea of spiritual fire, spiritual passion. And it does not have to be something that is indicative of the intimacy of a, of a marriage relationship. We're just, I mean, it's very, very, very common for people who are out together or soldiers that they may bunk together, okay? And if they're in a, a tight situation and, and desperately in need of being able to keep warm, then guys may huddle together, okay? And so I'm sorry to say it that way. I know that this probably goes, okay, exactly. Ah, that kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. But, but you're talking about, really, when we, when we see this as a spiritual principle, we're talking about getting around other brothers and sisters that the fire of God that's in their hearts is able to sort of stir me up and keep me uh, passionate about the things of God. Are, are you okay with that illustration? You know, I, I realize that I'm, I'm dealing with things that are cultural. We were talking in the men's group the other morning uh, we meet at 5.30, guys, if any of you would like to come. It's a great time together. Talking about the Word, moving through the book of Acts. and So we're talking about how some things that are just interpreted culturally in the Scripture that won't fly in the American culture. For example, it appears numerous times throughout Paul's writings saying, greet the brothers with a holy kiss. Now, how, how many of you realize that if we tried that at Victory, we'd probably reduce our congregation down to about 5% of what it used to be? Now, you realize that won't fly in the American culture, but I've been to a lot of places in the world where it's very much an expectation to sort of a, a kiss on both sides of the cheek, and that's how the brothers greet each other. And that's the, the, the mindset that Paul was writing from when he said that. And so many times when we're talking about these things, we have to try to translate it culturally a little bit so folks can, can get some understanding. I'm going to give you uh, the way Charles Spurgeon took this and shared, world's greatest preacher, greatest Baptist preacher, certainly, pa pastored the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England. We're talking 1800s, mid-1800s, 60s, 70s, and had probably close to 10,000 people in attendance in his congregation before anybody ever heard of an American megachurch. This guy was just preaching pure gospel, just crazy madman for the kingdom of God. Awesome. One of my heroes. And he, he has an important leader in his church who falls out, and he stops coming, and he asks about him and he goes, gets in a carriage and rides out to the country estate uh, of this particular individual to see him. And it was uh, a gentleman whose wife had passed and his children were gone and he was sitting there in his home by himself in this great big fireplace. And uh, Spurgeon had sent word that he was coming to visit him. And so the man was there and was sitting in two great big armchairs sitting in front of a roaring fire. And so... Reverend Charles Spurgeon walks in and sits down, not a word is said. And they're both sitting there looking at this great big huge roaring fire. And they sit quietly for probably five or seven, ten minutes. Spurgeon gets up and takes the fireplace poker and grabs one of the coals that at that moment literally is a piece of wood that is on fire. He moves it off to the side out from the rest of the stacked wood from the fireplace and sits back down. Not a word is said. And they sat there and watch what was an on-fire flaming piece of wood gradually go out. 
And so in a moment, once the thing had died down and it actually uh, was no longer even a red-hot piece of, of coal of wood, they, they, uh, Spurgeon literally wrote and said that he sat there with him for probably close to an hour. Spurgeon gets back up and takes the tongs and puts that ember back on top of the fire and it catches back fire again. And it's contributing to the warmth of the house. And there is, there is what you can start to see in the sense of joy and, and fulfillment. And, and it's, it's accomplishing and doing what it was supposed to. And not a word was said until Spurgeon got up to leave. And the gentleman who was one of Spurgeon's leaders in his local church, he said, I will see you Sunday. Sometimes you don't even really have to say if you can just demonstrate the importance of how we get our warmth together. If you're not here, we miss you. Uh, there are no unimportant, there are no big eyes and little U's. We are all here together, same care, same love, same participation in Victory Church. Somebody say amen. So we're together in our work. Everybody say we're working together. We're together in our walk. Everybody say we're walking together. We're together in our warmth. Everybody say, stay warm together. Number four, I'm finished. We are together in our warfare. Basically, this is if you're by yourself and you get waylaid, you're probably, you're probably going to get your backside handed to you. But you know what? If you've got a buddy with you and that buddy, he works out, he lifts, and he got some muscles, you know, you can just really kind of look and go, okay, I think it's time to open up a can on this fool and we can take them out. The whole point is you, you might be able to, if you're strong enough, defend yourself against uh, an enemy that has doubled his efforts. That's the reason we need some folks to walk with us and to work with us and to keep us warm in the Spirit of God and stir up the flame, fan into flame the gift of God that the Lord has given to us. But because there's sometimes there are seasons, we, we, we were sitting together this morning uh, in, in my office praying as, as, as we got ready for the service and Clint said, uh, just out of the blue, he blurted it. It's from 2 Kings. It was when Elisha and Gehazi were together and Gehazi's looking at the mounting army out there in front of him and Elisha says, Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And God peeled back the heavens and let Gehazi see that they were the, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth. The, the hosts of heaven were numbered in the multiplied thousands. The angels of the Lord were gathered there, sword drawn in hand. And he said, Oh yeah, there are more that are for us than there are than those that are against us. How many of you know when you're in the middle of a warfare, that's something that you need to be aware of? You need to know that there's some folks that have got your back. Some folks that will stand with you. Some folks that will love you and go, okay, we'll worry about all that junk later, but right now we got to kick some enemy butt. We, we, we've got to lift up the shield of faith around you and your family. We're going to quench some fiery darts. We're going to stand together. Come on, somebody. The kingdom of God is built on trust that is forged in the middle of a battle. Because it's the battle where sometimes we recognize that folks can turn and a little bit of a Benedict Arnold can come in and a betrayal can come. And sometimes those things happen and you just have to deal with it and move on. But then you always are grateful that you can go back and go, you know what, that person's solid. I can, I can count on them. And you know what, at the end of the day, you always have to go, let me just say, if everybody forsakes me, Jesus, thank you, I know that I've got you. You're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now this message this morning is I want to bring this series to a close and bring this specific one down to its culmination. God has called you 
He's invited you. This, this is what just blew my mind this week, that, that God's got this massive renewal, renovation, universal renovation project going on, and He's making all things new. And it's crazy that He's actually thought me valuable enough that He would invite me to be on the team with Him to be renewing the hearts and the minds of some other people. That blows my mind. But so has He invited you to that, to work together with Him. And, and, and I think that there's no way that we can really work together properly until we learn how to walk together. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, Just as you have received Christ as Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up and established in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving as you've been taught. It's one thing to say Jesus is Lord. It's something else to walk with Jesus as Lord of your life. He's the boss. He's calling the shots. He's not just my Sunday morning go-to that I do a little bit of spiritual stuff on Sunday morning and then the rest of the week I just kind of do my own thing. Oh yeah, Sunday i got to go back and give Jesus some time. No, I'm walking with Him on a daily basis. I'm working. He's working in me. He's working through me. He's working with me. I'm on team with the Lord. To, to take the gospel to the delta, to take it to the cubicle next to me at work, to, to show the love of God to my neighborhood, to the one I don't like. Sometimes maybe that neighbor is in the house with you, the one you don't like. Is that being too plain? Are we keeping it real enough around here? Remember those relationships are the best part of life and they're the most frustrating part of life. If we're telling the truth, then we have to realize we've got to walk through all of that. We've got to... Put God first in the middle of all of that because if we don't, there's no way that thing can stand. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a church, whether it's a business, whether it's a job, whether it's a friendship, Jesus has to be in the center of it. Come on, somebody. So he's, he's, we're working together, we're walking together, and you know what? I'm, I'm so thankful that I can, in the middle of whatever frustration I'm experiencing, I can just begin to stop and pray and thank the Lord like Abby shared this morning. Thank you is the password into the presence of God. And I can be cold and there can be no fire on my wood. But when I begin to acknowledge His presence, which is really always there, I'm just not living as if it is. And when I get sensitive and start to recognize that it's there and He's moving and He's working, then that spiritual warmth comes and I get my, the gift of God stirred up on the inside of me. And I realize the fire of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual passion. If I'm isolated from others, I will burn out spiritually. Finally, this morning, there are times when I realize I've been called to enter into battle. We have a very real enemy. And the enemy is not my brother and my sister. The enemy is not in this room. The enemy tries to attack every one of my brothers and sisters in this room. Just as Clint said this morning, he said, You know, since I got home from work, things have just been like crazy, weird, strange vibe. Just... just Stuff, stuff going on and he said I just want to say there's more that are for us than there are that are against us and I think we want to be reminded as we go out of here today and we celebrate and get to know each other and spend some time together that we're a part of this massive innumerable company there's an army that's on your side angels that cannot be numbered what are you talking about majority you and God alone is enough to be a majority but there's so many more for you than there are that against you come on